Welcome to the Horror Highway Podcast. Um, today, I'll be your host, Omar, and with me is... Aris. And uh, today's going to be kind of different with the way I present this. Uh, kind of wrote a script. Um, I'm just going to start off reading it. Uh, on, okay. On August 8, 1973, Omar Henley would call the police claiming to have shot a disgusting monster in self-defense. You? Henley, you oh, shot it? What? Elmer Henley. Oh, I thought you said Omar Henley. I'm like, huh? Is that, that does sound like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Right. So, Elmer Henley. Elmer Henley, yes. Henley would have shot Dean Curl with a .22 pistol six times, all in his shoulder and his back. Actually, one was in his head. Um, this call would lead the Houston police down one of the worst cases of a serial killer in the area. And the strangest thing about this call is Henley claiming he had killed his friend. Um, so, the man he shot, Dean Coral, is known as the Candyman Killer. And uh, have you ever heard of him? No. I've heard he, of Candyman from like, the movie. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's the only Candyman Killer. Because on the Wikipedia, they also named him the Pied Piper. He had so, say, so, so, this is a true crime serial killer? Yeah, this is true yeah. crime serial killer. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. Yeah. Um. So I'm kind of like don't want to mess this up or anything. Be disrespectful. Okay. Um, actually, uh, really quickly, one of the main reasons most people haven't heard of this guy, despite his high kill count and his very like what he did to the bodies was disgusting, is because he was he. Like the guy from San Francisco who was killing people and like didn't stop the world from ending. Like he was so deluded he did that. I forget his name. He he started killing right before like John Wayne Gacy, um, the you know the other guys with with the, the big three. You know who I'm talking about is John Wayne Jeffrey Gacy, Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer, and uh, no, no. Uh, I think it's only there was an there's another one but like he killed right before the those big three and those those overshadowed him okay all right dean coral was was a monster the candy man killer but finding out if this was a nurture or nature thing is actually quite hard to figure out um born on december 24th 1939 dean coral was the firstborn child of mary robinson and arnold edwin coral by all accounts, his early life seemed to have not been easy, as he would have been in an abusive household with an extremely strict father and an overdoting mother. In 1942, his parents' unstable and toxic relationship would lead them to officially divorce. Dean was only four. Dean would have a younger brother and the children... Wait, sorry. Dean would have a younger brother. Um, and because, like... Cause the, cause he had a the younger brother and him, uh, yeah. eventually made the parents get back together because they didn't want like the, uh, they want them to have have a bad life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, the biggest issue was like the dad wasn't really ever there when they got back together because he had been drafted into the air force. This, however, was short lived as the mother would divorce her father once again and keep custody of Dean and his brother. It was when the parents got back together in the 1950s that the family would move to Pasadena, Houston, Dean's future home and hunting ground. The following time in his life, his mother would remarry a traveling salesman named Jake West. 
Dean's family would move to Vidor, Texas, where his mother, his mother would have a daughter, Dean's stepsister, and the family candy business would begin. During his time, during this time, his school life had remained the same throughout his entire life. It was unassuming. Dean was the quiet kid who kept his head down, and did well enough to never stand out. But like, you know, he he was like a solid ABA honor roll type kid. Yeah, just uh, normal, normal dude. And as as far as like teachers and other people recall him, like they couldn't tell anything was off about him, and they they were just like he was just a good kid who who did his work and all that shit. Yes. Um. In 1958, after Dean's graduation, the family moved back to Houston, where they opened up Pecan Prime Candy Shop. But for Dean, this wouldn't last long. In 1960, Dean moved to Indiana with his grandparents. It seems Dean wasn't good with forming bonds, since only staying uh, in Indiana for two years, he only made like one good. Uh, he only had like one solid relationship, and it was with some girl. At least that's the rumor. The rumor was that, like, he had a a, a pretty solid relationship with a girl. But just two years, he would then move back to Houston with the family business. And he would actually move in an apartment that was above the candy business. Hmm? Um, now, this is where Dean starts to show a bit of his true self. Following the divorce of Jake West and Dean's mother in 1963, Carl would become the vice president of the com- candy company. And he would quickly abuse that power. A teenage employee of the company would accuse Kroll of making sexual remarks and advances towards him. At the time, Dean would have been 24. Thankfully, this would not last long as in 1964, Coral would be drafted in the U.S. Army. Dean hated his time in the military and very much wanted to go back to Houston to quote, help the family business. It's thought that this time in the Army, constantly surrounded by men, is what awakened him to his homosexual nature. Now, there he is again, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm actually kind of—I don't know—I kind of find this one hard to the homosexual thing hard to believe because he was the teenager he was hitting on was a male teenager at his work. So, I—I I don't know if that's just kind of the belief, because because you know we know you're not you're born gay you don't turn gay, but at the same time you kind of have to realize you're gay. So, I mean, it's just my thoughts on it. Also, also like I was saying, um, it seems that, like, after middle school, kind of, like, have you know, like, he moved, like, places three times when he was a young kid. And then after high school, he moved to Indiana. He moved back. He, he couldn't seem to really find a solid footing in any place. And I, I think this is what... I think this was a big issue with him because obviously he couldn't form bonds from the sounds of it. That's why most people in the school would just say he's the quite unassuming kid because that's what people say when they don't know you. Because obviously once you get to know someone, you don't say they're quiet. Like even if they're quiet, you're like, he was quiet. Yeah, but, you know, I got to know him and everything. So my my belief on this is he was either kind of having to hide himself so he was like purposefully keeping his distance because what he does because I haven't I haven't gone into what he does but it's it it's um it's ailer levels of bad 
It was Iller, Iller, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's Larry it's, Ayler? Larry Ayler. It's like that I bad. Forget his name, bro. Hold on, let me make sure. Yeah, Larry Ayler. Like, Last uh, episode. All right. So, this. Okay. After 10 months of service in July 11th, 1965, Coral would go back to Houston. Now, his disgusting, inhumane depravity would shortly follow after his return. Also, I would like to say that um, he 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 never was in war or anything. Well, he was in the military. He was in boot camp for however long. I think it's like it's a month or three months or something. I don't remember. Yeah. But he was a fucking radio repairman. Uh, okay. So, yeah. like, during the Vietnam War, he was bitching about a fucking... I don't know if this was the Vietnam War or the Korean War, but it, it, it was, like, the Cold War time, right? He was drafted, and this motherfucker's complaining about fucking being a radio repairman. He actually got honorably discharged, which... I mean, what the fuck? Um, from yeah. 1965 to 1968, the company... The, Candy Company Pecan Prime was renamed to Coral Candy, but the venture did not last long. At that time, kids would hang behind the store, seeing as it had moved a street away from a local school, from like where it was originally at. Uh, this is in Houston, by the way, because he got back from the military. Oh, the, uh, this right here. Yeah, yeah, my bad. Like uh, this is after he was honorably discharged. He's he's back, and uh, like for three years going on. From 1965-1968. Because I felt like I went over that pretty quick. So I'm just reiterating it. Um, There, Dean would give kids free candy. Here, he got his nickname, the Candy Man. He would also go by the nickname, the Pied Piper. It was between all of this in 1967 when Coro would meet one of his first victims, David Brooks. A a 12-year-old who Coro would befriend... This was the beginning of a true. This was the beginning of a truly disgusting and twisted, abusive relationship between the two. David Brooks came from a broken home. His parents divorced, and him not taking school seriously led to him dropping out of high school in 1970, where his father lived. <clears throat> oh, sorry, I forgot. I, I misread that. So his mother didn't live in Houston, but uh, David Brooks's father did live in Houston, which was where. Um, Dean Coral was at at the time. At the time, yeah. Uh, where was I? When he was in Houston, um, Coral would end up offering money in exchange for sexual relations with the fifteen-year-old in 1970. Like after the year he dropped out. Um, and since the since the Coral Candy Company had ended in 1968, Coral had actually had to uh, acquire a new job which was he became an electrician and he moved to Pasadena which is a city like not really that far from Houston uh, when the company had closed sorry Uh, from 1970 to 1973 is the time when Coral was active as a killer in total Coral would have a confirmed 28 victims, which in 1973 had been the highest body count there could there was. He would target males from the age range of a 13 to 20. 
Okoro would also pick up another boy by the name of Elmer Wayne Henley. In 1971, these two um, boys, which was Brooks and Henley, would become the main accomplices for Koro as they, as both of the boys would often co coerce other boys um, with the promise of alcohol, drugs, inhalants, and a party in order to bring them to Koro for him to do his misdeeds. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Now, before I go further, um, Elmer Wayne Henley, uh, uh, which was the guy who shot him, he and Brooks, like like I said earlier, they both came from like broken, quote unquote, broken homes. So, from my uh, research on this, there seemed to have been like in Houston at the time there was a lot of runaways, and basically like kids were just going out and doing whatever the fuck they want, which let like a predator like him, you know, obviously like manipulate them to yeah to do to like make him think like oh yeah me me propositioning you for sexual favors is totally normal oh yeah you could sleep over like i don't know your parents and i'm a total stranger but like you know come come live in my apartment i don't know man like that's just i, I, I guess this is a time before a uh, stranger danger you know it yeah it, this this the following years which i 1970 then that uh, 1980 that's what led to stranger danger because of men like uh this guy and john wayne gacy and all of them yeah. i i just remember john wayne gacy because he has a he has a like his name is it rolls off that tongue that's really it i mean like i'm even like if they did fucking get a uh, stranger danger popular or whatever i just mm -hmm. feel like they, sh they shouldn't need to well there hold on Never mind. Go ahead. Well, I don't think um, uh, Stranger Danger would have been effective at the time because that was like the free love and hippie movement, which was around that age. Uh, and so there was just a lot of kids and high schoolers that were just kind of like leaving their homes and shit and just doing whatever they want, joining communes. Like this is, you know, like what's talking all that. Like the people were just getting high and shit. So even if the schools implemented this, uh, it, you're right. It wouldn't have been popular. Uh, people would have been more willing to have, like, believe that there was more good people out there than there are bad. Um, I mean, okay. the, like, even then, I feel like, I guess, I don't want to be an asshole, but I'm going to be an asshole. I just feel like parents back then were terrible parents. Oh, my God, were they awful. I mean... Like, we know now, like, beating your kid should be the severest fucking punishment there is, right? But, I mean, back then, they beat them for fucking anything. Like, you talk back to me, I beat you. you fucking, you get a B, I beat you. That was their go-to punishment back then, dude. I mean, and, like, like yeah. I guess I didn't care where, uh, where, uh, anyone, like, I guess their kids went and stuff. No, they <sighs> So I think the big issue is, like I said, um, you know, at, at this time, he had been drafted in like 1968 and everything. So there was a big, like, you know, the, the Cold War really put a lot of fear in a lot of people. So you're right. They didn't care. For a lot of them, they truly did believe that the world might end uh, like any time and shit like that. Yeah. Uh, 
Cora was manipulating his people, uh, you know, like the Vietnam War and all that was full, in full swing. So, like, the the way the police were treating um, this whole thing was like they they weren't really paying attention to like a lot of the crimes being committed or yeah. like runaways, if you get what I'm saying. So that's what allowed um, Dean. Uh, that's what allowed uh, Brooke and Hen- Henley to, you know, be accomplices with him uh, within Confirmed. Okay. It is believed that he had more kills um, 
from what I read, it really does feel like there was more than 28 victims. Because from what I read, it seemed that the Houston police, as soon as all the bodies that Henley and Brooks would eventually confess to, as soon as they said these were all the bodies, because at that point, it was such a fucking high kill count, um, that the police just wanted to end it. Because obviously, if you add more bodies to it, the city's gonna look that much more fucking worse. Yes, facts. Um... Okay, I, I will now go into the list of victims. In 1970, there was two victims. On September 25th, he killed Jeffrey Cullen, the 18-year-old as a um, college student. Uh, and then on December 15th, he got both Danny Yates and James Glass, both 14-year-olds. He would take them at the same exact time. I don't know if they, killed, they were both killed at the same time, but they know that they... They were both victims at the same time. And then that both was, of these people? Yeah. They were both held by him at the same time. Uh, 1971, which is when Henley gets bringing... Uh, this is when he picks up Henley. So at this point, Brooks would have already interrupted him and is now already part of the killing. And in this year is the year he picks up Henley. Uh, January 30th, he killed Dan Donald Waldrop, a 15-year-old, and Jerry Waldrop, a 13-year-old. March 9th, Randall Harvey is a 15-year-old. Uh, March t- uh, May 29th, David Hillgast and Gregory Malley, 16, and David Hillgast was 13. August 17th, Reuben Watson, a 17-year-old, was killed. Then we move into 1972. On February 9th, he killed Willard Rusty Branch Jr., 17-year-old. March 24th, Frank Aguirre, an 18-year-old. March 20th, Mark Scott, a 17-year-old. May 21, John DeLone, a 16-year-old. And Billy Bulch, a 17-year-old. July 20th, Stephen Sickman, a 17-year-old. October 3rd, Wally J. Samo, a 14-year-old. And Richard Henry, a 13-year-old. November 12th, Richard Kempner, a 19-year-old, and we move into his final year of victims. In 1973, took the life of um, Joseph Lyles, a 17-year-old, on February 1st. On June 4th, he killed Billy Ray Lawrence, a 15-year-old. On June June 15th, he killed Ray Blackburn, a 20-year-old. July 7th, Homer Garcia, a 15-year-old. July 12th, John Sellers, a 17-year-old. July 19th, Michael Tony Balch, a 15-year-old, and he was actually a bro- He was the brother of Billy Balch, um, who died. Give me a sec. Uh, let's see if I can remember. Uh, oh well. Oh yeah, so that's that's the guy that died in May uh, May 21st, 1972. Um. On July 25th, he killed Marty Jones, an 18-year-old, and Charles Carey Cobble. And uh, August 3rd, James Dreymala, a 13-year-old, would be his last victim. Um, So actually, and um, in this specific area, which was the Houston Heights, he would get away with these 28 murders because the Houston Heights 
was a like quote unquote bad area. This is where all the you know the police didn't care about the kids that the kids that lived there or the people that lived there in general. It was like low income and uh like decent crime rate and all that. Yes. Um now to return where I started as to how Dean Coral was stopped by Henley on August eighth, nineteen seventy three, via gunshots and self defense. The reason for this is not what you expect. Henley had brought two other people with him on that day for Coral to abuse. The issue? Henley had brought a girl, Rhonda Williams, and the other person that was with him was Timothy Cordell Curley. This was the only time that Coral had been brought a a female for a victim. This drove Corel mad, but he would soon calm down and allow the teens to get high and drunk and fall asleep. Upon awakening, Henley found himself bound with the other two teens, or they weren't bound together, but they all three individually were bound. Corel, now showing his true fury, let loose on all three teens, especially Rhonda. Now uh, he he beat her like mercilessly, like. Him and Henley, like, they both got abused, and Curly, I mean, this is disgusting to say, but he basically, he was saving the abuse for him later, you get me? Like, for bringing the girl in? No, no, so, uh, by the way, Brooks isn't here at all, Brooks is not in this, uh, current thing, but, um, basically, he started beating Henley and Rhonda. And he left his victim untouched because he wanted to abuse him later. You get me? Mm, yeah. So Rhonda and him were, he was planning to kill them then and there as soon as he was done, like, beating the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Corona, uh, all, all three teams, especially being pushed solely by the presence, presence of a girl, he threatened to kill all three of them, having his way with Curly. But Henley appealed to him saying that he would assault Rhonda if Coral let him loose. This to Coral made sense, so he did. So essentially, uh, Henley was like, it let me go and I'll take care of the girl. You don't have to look at her anymore. You don't have to touch her. You don't have to do any of this. It was a big mistake as Henley was giving a knife to harm Rhonda, but Rhonda, uh, but, uh, Ron- to harm Rhonda with, uh, but Rhonda in this life or death situation got through Henley saying, is this for real? Henley coldly responded, yes. And Rhonda retorted, are you going to do anything about it? This for some reasons, for some reason seems to have shocked Henley in which he grabbed the point .22. Uh, Coral kept pursuing his victims and threatened Coral to stop. Um, I don't know why. Uh, Rhonda specifically like begging for her life got to him maybe it was because it was like the first female victim for him as well that for some reason for him this was crossing the line because um it, it should be noted that both Brooks and Henley had participated in the abuse with a uh, quarrel of these uh other victims mm-hmm. um uh, Coral, believing that Henley wouldn't do, do it, approached Henley menacingly, saying, you won't do it. Henley shot him in the head, 
the shoulders and the back um as well the back was when Koro tried to trunt run away but he i mean he was shot in the back three times where he dropped dead to the ground um so basically what happened is i guess because um Koro believed that he still had his hold his like manipulative hold on uh henley that like he would do whatever he said so obviously if he acted if he acted scary and all that he wasn't expecting him to shoot him but uh i'm pretty sure this was a shock to himself as well because the way it's the way it seems that he come because this is from this is from him come this is what the police got from him confessing to them after the crime the the first shot which was to the head i don't i it obviously wasn't a kill shot but it seemed to like come out of nowhere i don't think he actually expected himself to shoot because quickly after uh he would shoot him two times in the shoulder and then hanley would try getting away uh, which is when he turned his back and got shot three times in the back uh after that final shot he just dropped to the ground and died Following this, the Pasadena police were called, where Henley would tell the police of of Brooks and and Coral's crimes. This would lead to the discovery of 28 bodies of victims hidden in different places. A boat shed that Coral rented, 17 bodies were bar- were found, buried in the woodland near Lake Lake Sam Rayburn. Four bodies were found. One victim was buried on a beach in Jefferson County. And at least six victims were buried on a beach on Boulevard Peninsula. Also, only 27 bodies have been identified. And there are believed to be more than 28 victims. But the police stopped trying to find the bodies at the time. Because this was the highest spree in history at the time. But it would shortly be passed in the following years. Um, I, I forget who passed them. But it was a case in California where the man got 29 kills, I believe. And uh, it, it's, I believe his name, his last name was Hispanic, I believe, if, if I can remember. Why? Yeah. Why what's up? The guy that passed. Yeah, that surpassed him. Yeah. Okay. He's he's also kind of I've never heard of his name. I'm sure the case is big because it's a big kill count, but I was like, but I, it was like this case where I hadn't heard of it until I actively searched for it. You get me? Yeah. Um, while Coral had escaped the justice system, his accomplices Hanley and Brooks both did not facing like I didn't I didn't write down the specific um, sentencing, but they both were basically in prison for life. Um, I think both are dead now. I'm not too sure. I know one of them died of COVID in 2019 though. One of the pres- accomplices. Yeah, I can. Uh, this was like. This was on the Wikipedia and everything, and I didn't write down everything on the Wikipedia, but instead I wrote, I wrote down everything on, like, the Murderpedia, is in which one, like, someone broke down everything that was going on with Coral and all that. Yeah. Um. So, I know what you're thinking, like, well, did the police do anything? Like, how were they actively searching for this guy and everything? And, they weren't. Yeah. At all. Like I was saying um houston heights was in a bad area and the police didn't care about the missing kids at the time uh also um throughout this entire time 
no one suspected uh, Coral of anything. To them, he was still the quiet, unassuming electrician who just did his job and kept his head down. And, And then, obviously, at this moment of death, he showed his true colors. Even, uh, it's probably really easy, really, really, like, you could see that, like, it's, it's, if, if a person looked at this case, they would assume that this was the fault of, like, the broken home. Because that seemed to be the only thing, like, that was the only nurture thing that seemed to have gotten to him. And everything else seemed to have been nature, because he kept it hidden. And... And like, you know, looking from this case inside out, I feel like people would look at him taking care of Henley and Brooks as like, oh, they came from broken families. He obviously has a shred of humanity. But again, and that and and at the moment is that he really showed who he was and he really did not care about either of them. He was willing to kill them just because he brought a woman to him. Like or not a woman, a, a, technically a girl, because I'm pretty sure she was also underage. And, um, yeah, that's, that's the life of Dean Coral and like his death and his killing spree. Any thoughts, Eris? I mean, this is, uh, before the mainstream killers, I guess, right? You said just slightly before the mainstream killers, which is why this case is uh, quote unquote, um, unknown. It's known, but it's not big. And you think someone named the Candyman Killer would would be pretty big? I mean, I know the movie has nothing to do with it, but no, yeah, the, obviously. The, but... Obviously, like when people search things up, like you think this would bring this would pop up. This doesn't pop up. Uh, the only reason I found this is because is actually because I searched up uh, like serial killers in Texas. Okay, so this is the one that appealed to you most. Nah, it was well appealed it was more just like this the other killers i'm like oh i've heard of this i'm pretty sure i've heard of this this guy i had not i've never heard of a podcast uh there's a youtube video by the by a couple people uh, there's one with like one million views on it or was it a million i'm pretty sure it was a million views but that video was like super old like 2018 or something and i was just like huh i've never heard of this guy and just kind of like read into it and everything mm, well i mean my thoughts is uh basically the same as all my my other serial killer uh episodes right right like it's just incompetence of police like nowadays oh. i don't think serial killers could actually exist oh hell no like, I guess no like, ones, no? yeah you you would immediately get Again, you have everyone has a phone, which will allow you to get like caught in an instant. Your phone, like something's always recording. There's CCT everywhere, and everything. Which is, I mean, you know, it's it's good because it'll stop people like this. Um, and like, yeah, I I mentioned the police a little just because, like, uh, I guess I didn't. Uh, I feel like I didn't iterate Elaborate this enough much on it. Yeah, literally no. No case file or anything was made on him. Exactly. Like, I literally have the New York Times um, article here. And uh, it's straight up saying, like, they never even, like, really suspect suspected it. Because mm. they didn't care for the kids. So they, they, never, they never actually caught the dude, right? They 
Like oh. one of the victims killed him. No, not well, a victim, but also he's not innocent. Accomplice. Yeah, accomplice. I mean, kind of the victim because he did. He is a victim because he was abused by no, no doubt he was abused uh, mentally, sexually, probably by. Uh, I mean, this guy. It all just, I mean, boils down on, like to to me, it always boils like all the other killers I've looked into. And, and this one, too, when you look into it, all boils down to police incompetence. And I guess this one kind of bad parents for not letting their kids just well, run not, wild. Not all of them were bad parents. Obviously, there was uh, people there who wanted their children to be found. But I guess it's just, maybe it was bad parenting or maybe it was just bad timing on their end. And not all of these people were. I mean, there was some 18-year-olds. The oldest was 20-year-old old i believe which was like 18 year old i mean parent i mean people could still declare them missing and people could go oh they they did um as far as like police incompetence like you were saying it was police incompetence but i would say in uh the system itself just like did not help so here's a quote a police officer can't obtain a warrant of arrest, nor can he force entry to a location if he is denied means when investigating a missing persons report, the chief said. So basically, this is the main reason they never went to actually try and actively find these kids is because the way they saw it is it would be fruitless since they wouldn't be able to like actually investigate. So they didn't, they didn't even try still? like Yeah. Like they... I mean, it's still incompetence, but it's incompetence backed by a a broken system but i mean still they didn't try like they yeah. didn't go out to actually like I, i'm not disagreeing with you i i yeah it's it is their fault they could have done something um, uh, i mean a lot of these things could be avoided if it wasn't for just incompetent people i feel like there's also a good amount of blame on the police on that part oh yeah i mean then again didn't really elaborate on it but not much to elaborate on when they didn't even fucking have a case in their in their own eyes they didn't have a case and uh to me there's a fucking case right there fucking pete like what 27 people you said 27 28 27 identified and believed to be more there was actually something i was reading about how henley might have actually killed one himself because the the killing didn't the the death the body the way the body was found um uh like it it seemed that it didn't fit the mo of uh coral so they believe that henley might have killed one but that was just a theory uh obviously in the end uh they were all just like accomplices to everything so they they still got their crime and everything so this isn't just like a, the candy man killer this is like a group right yeah, this was this was a literal. This was literally a, a, like a, a sex trafficking ring, here. So I mean, by definition, because they from, were from from what, from what I understand, it's kind of like like this like saw you know like the the group of people but instead of you know having people learn lessons and shit. Yeah, they're just doing it for fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to see it like that, I've never seen any single saw movie. Oh, it's just like well. Well, first... I know it's a group of people. I know that much. Uh, the yeah. first dude is the old man, but he gets his wife in and his nurse, nah. and like a lawyer or some shit. Kind of. Towards but... the end, it's like uh, two accomplices and then just him. Um, really quickly, uh, 
as far as I saw for the confession, Brooks uh, denied it. So this is what happened. Henley uh, confessed everything the moment they found everything, which was almost immediately because they went in, they saw the, the fucking torture board, which is the way it, that board I described with you with like rope on it and everything. Yeah. He had multiple sexual toys. He had the gun. Um, he was naked. They found him naked on the ground when he was killed. Mm-hmm. He, uh, so Henley basically confessed to everything, but he did not confess completely to the truth because the way the articles I read described it, it was they found out how bad everything was by the way the bodies were found. They had, they, somebody still had gags in them, like in their mouth and everything. And they like tried hiding certain, like, they were all like they were wrapped in plastic and shit. That like they were wrapped in plastic and some were still like in their handcuffs and everything. Man. And again, like I was saying Dude, earlier, Brooks like, Brooks and really on day one. And on uh, the second day when they I, I I don't know what they told them. Uh, I had the I did have the option to read the uh, confessionals, but I was just kinda like I don't know man. I'm not gonna get in. I'm not. Gonna, I was. I was thinking like you know. I'm not gonna get in, in depth on how these people were murdered because it was truly fucking disgusting, and I don't want to dishonor the memory of the victims. Um. But so I was like, there's no point in reading how he did things, but he did deny it all on day one, and I guess they they confronted with him on day two all the evidence, and he eventually just broke and confessed to everything. So they just walked into his place and, or what? No, they brought him in. I mean, they had the evidence to bring him in. Plus, oh, he's, a, he's a kid from a broken home. I doubt, like, he's going to get much chance to, like, run away from these police officers. He's probably too afraid to run away as well. Yeah. Oh, and um, so this ring, there were more kids that helped. Um, that helped... Uh, Coral. It's known that there was more people. There was a couple friends of Brooks and Henley that helped with like one or two killings, and then they dipped. They have. They never found them, right? Are they never? Um, I'm sure they were tried and everything, but they might have done some plea deals or plea deals or something. I, 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 from from the from everything I read. It really focused on Brooks and Henley because they were the main two accomplices, and these other kids were just kind of mentioned and name dropped. And were like, they helped on this murder, and and they they mainly helped only by moving bodies for money. But it was move bodies mostly. They basically, they just moved bodies for Coral. Um, and I don't know if these kids even knew Coral. It might have just been Brooks and Henley bringing bodies to them and being like, "Hey, help me move this, and I'll give you like fifty bucks." I mean, so you, I mean, they can't, they, you can kind of blame them for not telling anyone. Yeah, you could absolutely. But at the same time, they probably didn't know the murdered kids. Um, and like the, who, why would the police believe them and shit like that? Plus these were, these were all like runaways and shit or not quote, quote unquote runaways and bad, bad families, bad homes. So 
I'm assuming to them, why would they care? But even then, that's still like a really fucking awful way to think of things and all that. So, I mean, still, bad parents not bad making parents, them feel loved. Yeah. All in all, it seems like that was just a bad time to live in, dude. I don't think it's it was all bad. I think it's just... I mean, this was the beginning of one a massive amount of murder sprees in America. Well, I mean... I mean, if they, if someone sees someone get like attention for killing people, and this dude over here is already like thinking, like maybe I should kill someone, maybe they'll. Uh, well, this guy didn't want attention. Him. I mean, even like even so, like some they saw like another killer saw him getting this attention, right? Even though he didn't, even though the, even though this guy didn't want it. Yeah, Corn didn't want the attention. I get, I get. So you're saying he might, he might inspire someone. Yeah. Possibly, I, I don't but, know. You gotta be pretty fucking demented to see this guy as a fucking someone who you aspire to be. I I don't know who. Well, it's not aspiring to be him. It's just seeing how he's getting attention. Oh, you mean? Oh, okay. Just like even like like that too. You know? Yeah, I understand. I guess how some companies say shit like, uh, all bad press is still good press. Yeah, Uh, all all press is good press. Yeah. Yeah, and it's something like that, you know. Yeah, I understand. Right, so I mean, uh, my final thoughts are: I mean, this guy was a fucking disgusting piece of trash. I fucking wish he went to prison instead of getting shot in the head, so he could fucking suffer the justice system. Cause that's the one fucking that's the one good thing that I guess. That's one of the good things that only ever happened to him is that he got a fucking quick and painless death, dude. Quick and painless. I well, it wasn't. It was okay. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, painful, but it was a quick one. So I would not want anyone, a lot like like these like serial killers to get a quick and painless death. I want them to suffer, like. You know, but that's what I'm saying. Things. If he was in the justice system, this motherfucker would have suffered. This guy was a fucking child molester. Exactly. And he killed he him in the prison system. He would have been fucking destroyed, dude. No one would have been yeah, happy to hear good. about it. That yeah, that's what good. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's good. That's what I wished happened. But instead, he was shot to fucking death right there in his own apartment. You get me? Yeah. He got away from. He 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 he, he paid for for the crime, but he didn't pay the full price. In my what opinion. Discount? What happened? He got a discount. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! Yeah, my bad. He got a Costco discount on his fucking and uh, murder. I mean, they all. I mean, people are fucked. Humanity. Some people are trash. Not every single person is like this. I I, I would hope not. You know. Well, that being said. I feel like this is a good time to leave off, and this has been the Horror Highway. Uh, Later.